Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. February 11th, 1992, in Nottingham, the daughter of Paul and Fiona built an impressive acting career starting at the age of nine when she appeared in a touring stage version of Annie Get Your Gun. She's probably best known across the pond for her appearances in London to Brighton and Angus Thongs and the Perfect Snogging. But for American fans, they might know her better for being in a relationship with Harry Potter star Rupert Grint since 2011. I'm talking, of course, about Georgia Groom, who lives right here in the Doom Room. I'm Alex, and I'm doomed. Well, after that, I'm dead, and because of that, my body you'll have to exhume. Boom, boom, I'm in the Doom Room. I'm Justin, and I'm doomed. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about the Doom Patrol Season 2 finale, Episode 9, Wax Patrol. Now, as mentioned the last time, there's a little bit of an asterisk here because this is the Season 2 finale, but they actually had another episode after this, which they weren't able to do because of COVID. So that got moved to the season three premiere. Obviously we'll talk about that when we talk about the season three premiere, Uh, but I'll tell you what, before we get into any recap here, I didn't know any of that when I was watching this episode. And when I got to the end, I was like, What's happening? I still knew all that and still was like, go fuck yourself at the end. Yeah. There was sort of a guy. I thought it was a cliffhanger. Felt like a cliffhanger to me. Yeah. Did you guys get that? A little bit. Sort of like left a lot up in the air. Mm -hmm. Well, Cliff was definitely, it was more like a cliff piecer, is what I'd say. Yeah, exactly. So, to give you a recap, if it's been a while since you've watched the episode, we are dealing with a lot of the plot lines that have come to bear over the course of the season. Specifically, Dorothy has let loose the Candlemaker very much against her will. And so, in this episode, the rest of the Doom Patrol heads to the, not carnival, but fair, Pete? Is that what we decided the last episode? That's right. To it's a it's a carnival. It is. All that talk about fair. It's a carnival. No, no, yes. no, no. What the fuck are you talking about? Because in the last episode, she said, "I want to go to the fair," and the flyer said "fair" in the background. Well, this he, is this is where Niles is a bad father. She said she wanted to go to the fair, and he instead <laughs> took her to a carnival. Well, then yeah. of course all hell's going to break loose. You can't go to a carnival if you were supposed to go. To They're a fair. scary. If it's a fair, I didn't see any butter sculptures. There's no cows or yeah, being no butter cow. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless, there's no chain, chainsaw art. There's none of none of the things. There's no none <laughs> of the fair things. 
The I important thing it. here, though, is that everybody does go to the fair, and courtesy of the Candlemaker, goes up against their own imaginary friends. So we get to see those fights, and ultimately, when they fail there, they all get covered in wax. And as teased earlier, Cliff gets blown to pieces. Ultimately, at the end of the episode, Niles is on the ground screaming as Dorothy embraces her destiny, creates a weapon of her own, and jumps into a bonfire to take down the Candlemaker. That's where we left with her. Like a badass. Like a badass. We don't get to see what happens. But meanwhile, Jane is dealing with some serious shit going down in the underground. She has been thrown into a well. Everybody else very quickly figures out, wait, Miranda is behind all of these disappearances of all the personalities. And she uh, gets a reveal of her own, which is that Miranda is not Miranda. Miranda. Miranda also is dead of the well. And in fact, the Miranda that we have seen that is been taking over is Kay's father. That is the personality that has been affected here. Wait, what? Yeah, that's the reveal at the end. Where did you get that? He says sweet baby. That's the reveal. It's Miranda says sweet baby, which is a line that the father used, but it wasn't like the father's voice. So at the end, Jane swims all the way down to the bottom of the well. She thought we thought she was swimming towards the light, but what she's actually doing is she's swimming toward the necklace. Right. I saw that. Hold it. It's the body of Miranda. Very scary moment. Very scary. Sure. Yeah. It tells of the crypt for sure moment. And then uh, says the line, but doesn't like say it as the dad. Just kind of quotes the dad, and it's hinted. But remember we don't know how that. the dad was the puzzle monster in the well, right? Okay. The thing that came out of the <laughs> well was the puzzle monster dad personality who has taken the form of Miranda to trick everybody. No man, I love now all I'm, those puzzle I'm, pieces. I'm fucking confused. Is the dad a real dad, or is it a monster that lives in the well? Like. It's a dad personality. It's a personality like everything else. Same as the others. Yeah, but it's taking the form of Miranda to eliminate all the personalities. So what Jane discovers at the end is that it's not Miranda or Jane does. Who faces down Miranda? It's uh, Kay. Kay faces down Miranda. So Kay faces down Miranda. And when Miranda says, sweet baby, the audience is left to their own devices to realize that it's actually the dad who has come out of the well. Yeah. But Jane finds Miranda's body, so Jane is uh, probably also on the case. Exactly. She, uh, classic detective story. She's yeah. on the case. She swam to the she bottom of the, the well. <laughs> Remember that uh, the Sherlock and the I Swam to the Bottom of the Well by Arthur Conan Doyle? Yes. That's a good one. Do you think a lot of real-life cops, whenever they get um, a crime happens, are like, all right, we're on the case? <laughs> <laughs> a clue! The game is afoot, they say. That's uh, Pete, they say. are you okay? You seem kind of thrown by this. Rattled. Well, I'm, I'm, you kind of are, I don't know. I, I think it's a, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little confused about like what the dad is then, if the dad has been a He's monster just, the whole time or if it was a human. It, I don't know what's going on, but well, I'm sure it'll be explained late in la- later episodes. It almost of, definitely won't. <laughs> the dad is is the monster is I, I think it powered by the same thing that creates all the different uh, personalities in the underground. It's just an, an evil one. So it's not the actual dad. The actual dad was a person. In okay, the real thank world, you. And this thank is, you. Yeah. Okay, appreciate that. Yes, great. Because I was like, was that a real dad or was she raised by this monster dad the whole time? You know what I mean? Well, he's not a good dad. 
No, I know say, that part. I yeah, that part was super clear. She was. I think it's left up to our interpretation, but all the stuff with her dad probably molesting her or worse, uh, t- throwing her in the well, making her sit in there as a punishment, uh, the Miranda personality climbing out of the well. All of that stuff is probably real. Uh, we should also mention we get a flashback here. We get to see Miranda living in Kay's body the time that she was protecting her. She meets this very friendly busker who she ultimately ends up living with. He uh, kind of goes sour dick. on her a little bit, let's yeah. say, and decides to throw some swigger <laughs> parties in their apartments. She doesn't like it. And that's when the Jane personality manifests. What? Did I tell that in a bad way, Justin? No, I think you told it in a good way, but I, because no, I was no. like, I wrote in my notes, like, hey, he's throwing a swinger party. And I was like, no, this is an orgy. He's, this is a fucking orgy. Yeah. It's yeah, not a, I mean, yeah, he forced her into a situation without asking permission and, uh, well, so got real Pete, creepy. you came of age during the 1960s. Would you call that a <laughs> swigger party or a orgy? Orgy, bro. That's Keep an orgy. A- <laughs> <laughs> orgy, bro. Um, I think the real difference, if we had to define the difference between a swinger party and, or- and an orgy, and please, all, all the swingers out there listening, chime in and tell us how we're doing this wrong. Swinger party, everyone gets their, their keys or partners off. That's, and they a, that's party. a key they party. You're bit. thinking that's of a key party. party. A key party. But I think that swinger party is similar to energy. Like you swing, you go, it's a couple, you're, it's a smaller group. When you're all having sex in one big room. That's an orgy. Yeah, but I think there's a fine line between a swinger party and an orgy. What, I think what's happening? here's what I think. Here's what I think. Like if you send out the invitation, it's important, like, Pete. It's yeah, if you send important. out the invitation to say, "Please come to our orgy," then like, yes, you got the ground rules. It's an orgy. That's fine. But if it's a swinger party, a swinger party is sort of like a capsule that can include an orgy. It can become an orgy by the very nature of having the swinger party, where everybody's having the sex, uh, sex in the same room. Like happen, what happens here? So I think oh, it can interesting. Be yeah, I, a swinger party can turn into an orgy, right? But a key party is you go to the party, you take out the keys, and then you leave, and then that's you leave and, and go, you go yeah, and, and that's who you hook up with. Oh, what? No, <laughs> I don't think that's what that is. Because when I went, no, I put my Alex, you're supposed bowl. to have sex with someone else's wife. What? Hold on, I put my keys in the bowl, and then I was like, "Thank you very much." I took my keys out of the bowl, and I, I drove home. <laughs> oh wow that's a bad swinger party when everyone just goes home alone separately yeah, i guess so i don't know i still had fun uh while we're talking about this i want to say um this uh i was uh watching this on a plane uh <laughs> and the orgy scene was hard it's a bad you know i'm in a plane it's a bad look Mm-hmm. Did, you do, did you do the uh, hiding with your hands thing? Yeah, we were like, oh, God. I, I uh, didn't. What I I'll tried to do is I. my cookies and I'll have uh, soda, please. Oh, geez. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm on a plane. I was flying by myself. So I'm on a plane with strangers. And so I'm about suddenly I quickly turn the. first class, right? You're in first class. Naturally, naturally. Yeah. And I was showing everyone in first class at my new iPad. So I was like, look at this. Look, it shows this do great Doom Patrol show. Oh, zoinks! Is what I said. <laughs> and before that, they were like, so you're saying this is like a desktop computer, but thinner, and you can carry it with you? Yeah. It's like a, a, a painting, but the pictures move, is what I told uh, them. Like one of them Harry Potter movies. That's right. Uh, but seriously, I was watching it. As soon as the orgy started, I had to quickly turn my 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 iPad away. And the person next to me was like, 
what are you hiding from me? And I was like, oh. <laughs> Wait, did they really say that? <laughs> they didn't say it, but that was like, they looked at me oh, like, okay. yo, what are you doing? And I'm like, eh, <laughs> nah, nothing. I'm doing this nothing. is research. I do a podcast. Yeah. Uh, I'm not some guy watching porn on a plane. <laughs> yeah, they, they, I don't want to say like, oh, I do a podcast. And they're like, you do a podcast on pornography? Do you watch on airplanes? Okay. <laughs> yeah, every episode I fly on an airplane to a different place, watch different uh, porn, and then we talk about it. Yeah. Do you want to be we on the podcast? Talk about we interview the person <laughs> yes, in the seat next to me. That's a great idea for a podcast. <laughs> Peter, are you on board? Uh, can we talk about Doom Patrol? Uh, we are talking about we Doom are Patrol. Talking about no, Doom Patrol. What did you think about this Jane storyline now that we've gotten all of the you know, business it sucks. out of the way? <laughs> I, I really was – I had high hopes for this guy. He seemed like a nice guy. Then he turns out to be a piece of shit. Okay, sure. You know, we've seen that a million times. But I just was, um, you know, it seemed like a moment of happiness in Miranda's life. So it gave me hope for this character, even knew, even though I knew better. I was like, no, Miranda's evil. She's been doing horrible shit. But we get this touching flashback, and all of a sudden, I start caring about Miranda. And then I brought right back to reality of like, uh, no, you, you know. Um, She's not uh, She's not a good person. Um, I, I thought this rolled out in a really nice way, actually, in a really smart way, because this is important yeah. information for us to have now. I thought the way that it twisted and turned with the eventual Miranda reveal at the end was really nicely done. And we did need to see Miranda throwing herself into the well, why she threw herself into the well, um, because we need that information there. And also, I really liked seeing this first emergence of the Jane personality because we get the information of why Jane feels like she's the hero, feels like she is the primary, the only person who can protect Kay. So I thought that was really great. In terms of the storyline, one, never trust buskers. You can't trust them about anything. Oh, come on, man. Yeah. You really can't. You can't do that, busker. That's a bad idea. But Well, Pete, you moved in with that um, fire juggler you met for quite a while, right? (laughs) How did that turn out? I have known a couple buskers in my life. Uh, some of them good, some of them bad, but you can't you can't just say a stupid blanket statement that all buskers or whatever. Uh, that's not that's not nice. They're Would it's you, more bring bring a busker inside because they're they're an well, outdoor people. Well, particularly for one of those <laughs> uh, silver guys, you got to throw a lot of dimes at him before he's going to follow you inside because he keeps freezing yeah. the entire way. <laughs> Do the dishes. I'm giving you money. How many times right you now? Your- Come on. <laughs> You're moving too slowly. Uh, I should have never moved in with this living statue. I did feel it's like, like an outside dog. You can't let an outside dog in because it, it doesn't know how to behave inside. It eats cakes off the table and poops where it wants to. I did feel like this needed one more scene here, though, because the transition from like, I'm a busker to we're living together and I have a business job to now I just swing with all these people. There were, it felt like there was one scene of him being like, uh, just an implication of him being bored of the life they have together. No, don't give that yeah. piece of shit any more scenes. He got enough scenes. No, I, I mean, I, I agree with Alex. Saying. It felt a little out of left field that they were like pretty happy and he was pretty, he was nice and they seemed to genuinely care for Miranda. And then suddenly he's like, we're having a party and I'm fucking my whole office. And she was like, what? And he's like, sorry, I'm bored. I was like, you won? Why? A minute ago we moved this couch in here. Yeah. 
So it did feel like it needed that one extra thing, but otherwise I thought it was really well done across the board. Uh, why don't we move over? Yeah. Well, one, more th- one more thing yeah. on that, though. But can you imagine you're like, oh, yeah, my office, my boss is really into like orgies. Let's all have the office fuck each other. <laughs> what a nightmare. What a horrible God. idea. Horrible the, orgy. The next day, assuming it's a weeknight orgy, the next day, very <laughs> awkward. Can we yeah. just get past this and start talking about the fucking show at some point, please? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you might have a fun time. Like, you're by the coffee machine, and you're like, hey, what did you do last night? You know, that sort of thing. Oh, like a fun, being a real cut up about it. Yeah. Or being like, whoa, Dave's butt crack, right? (laughs) And just like, okay. Yeah. Uh, why don't we talk about butt crack? (laughs) Why don't we talk about the rest of the storylines, though, because they all do come together pretty specifically at this carnival or fair or whatever you want to call it. Nightmare, fucking nightmare. Uh, Pete, did you have a favorite imaginary friend Mm. from this? Um, Yeah, I thought uh, Doctor Cowboy was really enjoyable. I thought it was also like maybe a little uh, nod to Dr. McNinja for a second. I thought it was kind of like a fun, uh, just kind of funny name um, and fun part of like Cyborg's uh, thing. But also Cliff's like Bible camp story was hysterical. Jesus swearing, Jesus saying Jesus was so fucking funny. There was... I yeah, I mean it was all I mean Rita's the thing was also really cool. Um yeah, I thought it was great. And it was funny that LT didn't have it, uh, you know, but then was Amer- uh, like dealt with right away, which was I thought LT because he didn't have a marriageary friend was like, "Oh, he's going to be the one that's able to save everybody," but it was taken out uh, pretty early on. Um I thought it was I liked this whole device. It was cool and it really uh, sort of the Candlemaker's power is about like being young and trying to. I think I, this my theory last week. I feel I felt very good about my theory because it does feel like the fact that Candlemaker made their imaginary friends real. Candlemaker is about protecting young people and giving them power as a, a way of protecting them or letting them sort of get through the issues that they're dealing with. Because each of these imaginary friends sort of dealt with issues that our Doom Patrol main characters still haven't dealt with in their lives. And that's why they lose. Yeah, I thought that was really good as well. And I liked how they all were executed. I am, I, I mean, there's more clarification to come, right? Like, other than the overall metaphor of Dorothy needs to grow up, she needs to tackle the thing that's holding her back to childhood, which is Candlemaker. Um, we need to see exactly how that's all dealt with specifically in the next episode in the season three premiere. Um, but overall, like you're saying, just in terms of the individual things, they were all really fun in their own particular ways, which I really liked. Um, I thought Dr. Cowboy was great, specifically having his dad yeah. Yes. His imaginary friend, I thought was such Great. a smart choice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That was really good. And I like the fact that they didn't fight. They just had a conversation that felt very true to Cyborg yeah. as well. Um, the stuff with Rita doing the tap dancing with the paper doll was yeah. also very fun uh, and really creepy, uh, but very true to Rita. Yeah. And yeah, the Cliff fighting Jesus thing in a fun house. What's not to like about that? That was just delightful. I also got, I love that fun house. So it was great to see uh, Cliff being thrown around in the giant like eyeballs. And that kind of scene again was really cool. 
What did you think, though, Pete, to just take a step back? And Cliff's arc, you were pretty worried about something keeping him from the wedding. Yeah, I this was episode. furious over that shitty fucking voicemail he left uh, for yeah. his daughter and the fact that he got conned into going this thing. Um, you know, I was kind of like, Cliff, you're in the right, dude. Uh, you know, these people, yes, you have grown to becoming close to them. I really loved how LT was like, hey, we're family too now. You know what I mean? That was deep. Yeah. But fuck that, dude. <laughs> Chief has specifically fucked all your guys' lives up. You know, this is mainly the chief's fault for not addressing the fact that his daughter is going to get old or whatever and has been a shitty dad and just tried to store her places and not age her. Um, So, like, fuck that dude, dude. Like, go to your daughter's wedding. I was super, I mean, I was great to have him there because I love Cliff and the whole Jesus fight was hysterical and really fun, but I was also heartbroken that the voicemail wasn't like, hey, I've got to go save the world. Otherwise, I would be there. No questions asked. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, you know, because like he left a horrible voicemail before and I, I wanted it to get a little bit better. It's, it's just heartbreaking. And um, and Cliff's in the right. And to see him like sacrifice real relationships and real times when he's trying to be there for his daughter and, and not be there. It was just, uh, it was absolutely fucking heartbreaking. I do appreciate also, that. Also, he could just go get smashed. Yeah. I love the t-shirt, uh, moment yeah. though, like picking out the best t-shirt and like Miranda did help. I thought that was a great, great choice, you know, for the giant robot dad. I thought that was really fun. Well, but except, doesn't, it, doesn't it bother you that it's the dad who is helping him pick out T-shirts, the evil dad personality? Well, that was, since that who it was. But that was probably a hint, right? Like, because isn't the T-shirt something like world's best dad? And Miranda says, I like that one. No, it's a fucking it's a it, these are all like hardcore, like a rock uh, T-shirts and like all these kind of like cool metal bands and stuff like that. And it was the name of a band that was like. A giant robot thing. And yeah, I think like it was like the, disintegr- the disintegrators, disintegrators or something. And it had like a giant heart and like a, it was like kind of cut in half a little bit. All right, then I made some shit about it. Don't yeah, worry about it. Yeah, you did. Uh, I do like <laughs> the fact that once per season, everybody is like, all right, let's be a team and stop the apocalypse for the end of the world. Yeah. That's fine. So It's fun. Yeah, I really like the sense of that. Also loved Herschel jumping in and just saying, I'm again it. And everybody yeah. being like, all right, this is the time for jokes. And he's like, yeah. no, it's not a joke. Very fun bit as well. That was enjoyable. Yes. We all also got to see um, Vic playing Pictures of You on repeat. Um, oh, yeah, the music that, in general this episode was great, I thought. Yeah, like Vic listening to sad, like kind of 80s music was hysterical. As he was kind of like being a lump on the on the bed was was fun. It feels like they had some budget left in the uh, for music because they had uh, pictures of you, Gordon Lightfoot song. If you could read my mind, and then later dancing in the moonlight. I was like really just like blasting it out at the end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also really liked. Uh, we did mention Willoughby, who shows up briefly here to get the shit kicked out of him by a Punch and Judy puppet, which he explains that he grew up in the 1600s. So of course yeah. that was his imaginary yeah. friend. Very yeah. fun bit. Great line where he gets dragged away screaming, "Bugs cunting bunny." Yep. 
That was pretty good. Other couple of lines I wrote down, we have teleported up Walt Disney's asshole. That yep. was pretty good. Yeah, that was fun. With the I wrote that one as well. Also, I don't remember what this is in reference to, but I think it was Larry saying, for the first time, I agree with Cliff, what the fuck? Yes, yeah. that was great. Where uh, LT got to say the what the fuck line. That was great. I have a question for you guys. Um, sandwich shops coming up huge this season. Do you think that Doom Patrol between uh, that's where Miranda meets the busker and then um, the sandwich shop that uh, Ronnie and Vic was so uh, such a big part of their relationship. Do you think like Big Sandwich has um, dropped some money and is trying to like influence Doom Patrol? It's it's about time that we give due to uh, the importance of sandwich shops and great sandwich shops. So I think this is, you know, so you think it was something that the show did versus sandwiches doing some sort of product placement to get more advertising for sandwiches. I think the sandwiches themselves are rising up and trying to get in our faces a little bit more. Literally. I hate to, I'm, I'm all about big sandwich, bro. So, you know, meat and bread wish you were dead. That's what I always chant. Just wander through the streets, chanting that. Eat sandwich, Pete. <laughs> Pete, That's sandwich, it. You, should, you should do it. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, Mademoiselle Roxy, that was the name of the kind of uh, uh, all the things <laughs> yeah, put we, together for, yeah. that was. We really, know. Yeah. I know yeah, you I'm wanted to stop a, talking about that. Here's a good tell, an end of season two tell on Pete LePage. When he's sick of us talking about something else, he'll say a random fact from the episode <laughs> that we're supposed to talk about. Literally, you're just like, Mademoiselle Roxy. I did what I asked you guys. Did you ever have an imaginary friend? Great question. I did not. No, me either. Neither did I. This is a great discussion. Uh, this is so cool. My brother uh, did uh, turn into my brother did too uh, a dinosaur named Daco, and we had to address him as uh, Daco. We couldn't call him by his name when he was the dinosaur. Hmm. Uh, my brother had one named Barky, <laughs> and we had we had to always be like, "Well, what is Barky?" Uh, I have to say about that. And Barky was always like, Barky went to college. Barky ended up getting a job. Um, wow, he had Barky an, for a while, huh? <laughs> yeah. We still keeps in touch mentally with him. Oh, nice. Nice. That's beautiful. Nice. Yeah. A couple of other notes from the episode. I did really like the line when Jane takes over and punches the busker dude. She says, you want crazy? Here's crazy, which I took as a little bit of a shout out to in the comics, she's called Crazy Jane. So having that origin there, I thought was kind of neat. Also, loved Jesus's line when he showed up to Cliff saying, I am here to end you. Just being a straight up wrestling fight with the both of them was yeah. so fun. Jesus saying, calling him a piece of shit. I, I was like, oh, my God. Uh, just we- all of Cliff and Jesus bonding over <laughs> having distant dads. I thought was like <laughs> super funny. Yeah. yeah. Whole thing was great. Before we start to wrap up here and before we get to who's doomed, I'm curious to ask you guys how you felt about season two. Obviously, it's not 100% finished, but talking about these nine episodes versus the first season in particular, how do you think it stacked up? Was it better, worse, different? I, I, I did want to say, though, I did really appreciate 
uh, Dorothy kind of stepping up and realizing, like, not just staying kind of like on the sidelines and scared of the candle maker or whatever, being like, you know, Dad, if you're not going to do anything and my mom it is, I'm just going to fucking, I know what needs to be done and I'm going to handle it, was a really great character growth moment that I felt like I, I was impressed with. Yeah, and she got a badass weapon. Yeah. She finally yeah. stepped up. Cool well, hammer. Metaphorically, I mean, we can get back to the overall thoughts in a second, but metaphorically, like we talked about the last episode, this is all a metaphor for growing up. And this is the moment when I think her mom, that is her mom, right? Who she's seeing yep. in sort of the dream state is like we speculated the last episode. She's not creating this candle maker as something that needs to destroy the world. They're not calling down Armageddon. She is instead saying, hey, in order to grow up, you need to deal with this thing. That is the progression that you need to go on. Obviously, we'll see how it turns out, but I thought it was all really, really well done. Um, And I I think that extends to what we're, I think that extends to what we get with the other uh, imaginary friends, like the Doom Patrol hasn't dealt with their their childhood issues, so they are defeated by um, their imaginary friends. Yeah. So let's talk overall about the season. Pete, how'd you feel about it? Um, I think it was uh, a lot of fun, a really a lot of great, um, amazing moments. The the Cliff with his real daughter stuff. Um, I mean, everything with Cliff is amazing. Overall, though, I felt like uh, I liked the first season a little bit better, but I was still impressed with uh, all the fun that we had in the second season. I wasn't like, oh, man, first season was tons better, but I felt like overall was a little bit better. It edges it out a little bit. Um, but I'm excited to not only get rid of this fucking cliffhanger and find out what the fuck's happening, uh, but I'm nervously excited about the third season. Just Nervously excited. Pete, ner- Pete is nervously excited, and that's like the best feeling, right, Pete? That's, that's, I tend to be there sometimes, yes. Um, I thought that this season was great. Uh, I thought it took a lot of the stuff laid out in the first season and elevated it and deepened it and um, sort of got into more of the nuances. It felt like this show um, grew up a lot, defeated its own candle maker and Whoa. grew up at this season. Yeah, I uh, the first season clearly is something really special and really wonderful. I think this just had a kind of like a different tone to it more than anything. And it felt a little faster, a little funnier and weirder. Uh, Not that it wasn't taking chances in the first season, but there's just this, like we talked about a lot over the course of the episodes, there's this cumulative effect where they can call back to stuff and throw stuff in there without necessarily having to set it up or explain it. Um, Or, there are things that they set up that they just let go, like the sex ghosts in the background popping up all the time. But it was funny because I, I was it. like, I wondered uh, during the orgy if any of those people were sex ghosts. You know what I mean? Because I was like, I think I remember that couple uh, uh, on the, having sex in the wall. When wow. The phone Whoa. Okay. You really got your got to look at them, huh? Were you Zapruder filming it a little bit? Like going frame by frame? No, I just think it would, if you have these actors who are going to be, why not make them sex ghosts too? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You think they died during that orgy? Yeah. Sorry, swing yeah. your <laughs> 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 I knew it. Crap. 
Ah, crap, you got me. Back to hell for me. All right. Who is, as we head into the third season, who is most doomed? Justin, who's most doomed? Oof. I mean, Niles is uh, not looking good. And especially, like, was he going to kill Dorothy? Was that What was in that syringe? Was that something to kill her or was that going to knock her out? Probably kill think? her. Probably, that's, right? That's, he's going down. He's doomed. Yeah. Pete, what about you? Who's most doomed? I, I agree with Justin. I hope that uh, Cliff strangles out Niles. Um, I don't. I never. I don't want that. I never I, said I, that. No, I, I just I agree with Justin and I want. No, nope, that's to not what I, I don't. I think we're and, agreeing. Uh, but I'm worried. Uh, I'm worried about Dorothy. You know, um, I think if she to win, maybe she's got to sacrifice herself to the candle monster. Um, but we will see. We will. I I mean, they're all in really bad shape because they're all covered in wax, but I'll Which say is so hard to get out. It of is. Stuff, it's impossible. You, know, you gotta fabrics. like chisel that stuff out there. I'm gonna say yeah. Cliff in particular because he's in literal pieces after Aww. his fight with Jesus. He's all over the place. So everybody else is covered in wax. You can kind of melt that off or figure it out. But Cliff has to literally be put back together at this point. So that's gonna be some rough stuff potentially. And, folks, that is it for the second season of The Doom Room. If you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Doom Patrol. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And now, wrapping up season two, a piece of advice from Pete LePage. Listen, parents can fuck your shit up, okay? But uh, you should talk to somebody, all right? You're not alone out there. All of your advice is sort of coming down to this one sort of repeated idea. (laughs) (laughs) That's what the show's saying. You know, I'm just repeating what the show's giving us. Nice. Should we do season three, or are we done Nah, let's wrap up here. Cliffhanger. Ah!